0: Everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pro's Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester, and I'm on Twitter, at BobbyFantasyPro. Our guest today is Paul Sporer of Rotographs. He's also a partner on Twitch, at Spore, and he's on Twitter at his last name, Spore as well. Paul,
1: really busy time of the year. Really appreciate you making the time to come on. No problem. Happy to be on. It's the best time of year as far as I'm concerned. I love draft season. It just It's nonstop, but it's a lot of fun. So here's what we've got planned today, Paul. I've got eight high-risk
0: players that I want to pick your brain on, just to see, you know, if they're actually worth the risk, um, because all these guys are pretty high investments. And then we're just gonna go back and forth at the end of the show, bringing up some late-round gambles uh, that we both like. Before we do, though, I wanted to ask you about Trevor Richards. So this is a guy that I've been nabbing in, in deeper leagues because he's got that incredible changeup. His slider really came on at the end of the year as well. Now, he just no-hit the uh, the Cardinals for six innings in
1: spring training ball. Now, granted, it's spring training, but he looks fantastic. Is this someone you like? You know, I have this weird situation right now where I like multiple Marlins starters, but I don't know if I like him enough to really draft him that much because of that brutal division. They don't get to go against their own offense and they have to go against four strong offenses. I like Trevor Richards. Pablo Lopez has been getting some spring hype. Caleb Smith had some interest last year. He might get to a late start to the season, but he's pretty good. Jose Urania, when he's not throwing baseballs at Ronald Acuna is pretty decent. Like they've got <laughs> some interesting arms, but I am nervous about that, uh, that division there. But Trevor Richards, uh, he's going to get his strikeouts with that changeup. Uh, I think it could be pretty interesting in deeper formats. You're talking something that's 15 team or more mixed or an NL only situation. You don't really have the opportunity to be picky. So you have to take some guys w- that maybe are in tough divisions and just kind of trust the talent. So I think some of those guys, namely Richards and Lopez, are going to wind up on some of my teams because I do play some of those deeper formats. So you're saying you're picking the Marlins to win the NL East? 100%. <laughs> Lock it in.
0: Oh man, (laughs) they're going to struggle so much in that division. But I agree, there's a lot of interesting names in their rotation. You know what? They've got some fast guys in that big old outfield out there as well. Looks like Magnarius Sierra is going to be roaming out there. He is a quick dude, Brinson.
1: Yeah, Brinson as well. You're right. So yeah, th- and that helps, right? Because then they can turn some of those would be doubles into outs when they chase them down. And so you you do like to see that as well. The defense absolutely matters, and Sierra is like one of the literal fastest guys in the game. And if somebody like Monty Harrison comes up and, and establishes himself, he's also a nice outfielder they can have out there. So you know they will have some of that speed to help with the pitching. And that only makes it better. But again, just facing those four teams with regularity is the tough part. You know, the funny thing is a lot of people listening to this podcast,
0: like they're all big baseball fans. Of course, if you're listening to a fantasy baseball podcast, you're a big baseball fan. I guarantee they haven't heard of a lot of these guys' names because the Marlins are that bad. But
1: people just kind of forget the Marlins, you know? Yeah.
0: And you're right. And why not? They've got some decent players on their team, just way behind the rest of the division. Uh, I'm not drafting Trevor Richards in a 12-team league, but he is someone I'm going to have on the waiver wire speed dial. I'm going to be coming out with a an article here later this week because it's kind of that in-between stage. Like Some people are still doing drafts. Most people are looking forward to the season. It's going to be 20 guys that I want on my waiver wire speed dial. If they start playing well, you pick
1: them up pretty quick, and Richards is one of them. Love it. And I definitely think he's somebody, you know, because you're going to find spots, too, to use them where maybe they aren't facing two of their, you know, Washington and Philly back to back if they are starting to get some of the weaker offenses. And, and that ballpark is nice, too. So that ballpark will help with those with those Marlins guys a little bit as well.
0: All right, Paul, we're going to get right into the meat of the show here in just a second. Talk about some high risk players. First, though, I want to talk about the sponsor of today's show, PristineAuction.com. So you guys have heard me talk about this before, especially on the football podcast, but Pristine Auction has so many auctions that end every single day, that there are always incredible values to find. I saw a Tom Glavin signed full-sized batting helmet for the Braves. Went for 52 bucks. If you're a Braves fan, you would have loved to have this in your cave. I just missed out on a Brooks Robinson best third baseman ever signed baseball for $40 that I would have loved to put in a case here in my office. There's something for every sports fan. Everything's guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources at pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. All right, Paul. So the first one I want to talk about is Chris Sale. And a lot of people are thinking, wait, why is this guy high risk? Every time he pitches, he's amazing. The issue is he threw 140 innings last year uh, because he had shoulder issues and shoulder issues don't exactly go away. I'm pretty concerned about him. With that said, I would still take him at the end of the first round. Are you with me?
1: Yeah. And that that's kind of where I'm looking to take Chris Sale as well. Like anyone who pitches is an injury risk guaranteed, no matter what, it does not matter whether they've shown some issues or they haven't. So I don't want to run away from elite talent like Chris Sale because of uh, perceived extra injury risk, because I don't necessarily think that even with him having dealt with something last year, I don't think he's more risky than say somebody who is seen as a little bit more of a workhorse like a Max Scherzer who's going into his I think age 34 season so I will take him at the back end of first rounds with Chris sale. Uh, he is still elite and if he goes up and puts up 180 plus innings this year no one's going to be surprised so don't push the talent down too far. Late first round, I'm totally cool with that because the first round is deep this year. But some folks trying to say that they wouldn't take him unless it was late second, early third. First off, you're never getting him. But secondly, I think you're you're missing the boat there with, uh, with Chris Sale. I agree. And the way that I'm looking at it is he's been such a
0: workhorse for so long. And you talk about all these guys are injury prone. Like if you threw 180 innings, that's incredible durability these days. But we start with somebody who's thrown, what is it? 1400 innings over the last seven years he averages 198 innings pitched during those years there's only five guys ahead of him and so he's going from super durable
1: to okay maybe about the same amount of concern as everybody else absolutely and and, and so that's the thing like don't like double count injury risk for certain guys uh, because then you're going to end up missing out on them and like i said it, it sounds like a trite phrase but it's so true you're only healthy till you're not as a pitcher and and you can have all this, uh, quote unquote, stability and, and be the workhorse. And then injuries can come out of nowhere and, and just plague you for multiple years. So just take the best skills. Chris Sale is among the very best skills in the game. Do not run away from him. Yeah, maybe the best. And, you know, I would change this
0: if he came into the season hurt like Severino, Kershaw, Carlos Martinez. But that's not the case. We're just saying he's had shoulder concerns just last year, the first time in his career. Maybe it'll come back up. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I would definitely draft Chris sale. Uh, the next one I want to talk about here is Trevor story and it has nothing to do with an injury risk or anything like that. It's just, he was absolutely terrible in 2017 before he broke out. And I think everyone's thinking, well, this is the new norm. It's also what he did his rookie year. I'm not so sure he bats over two forty. You know what I mean? I, I think the power and the speed are going to be there a little bit, but
1: maybe he's kind of like a rich man's Tim Anderson. That's not someone you want to draft in the second round. No, it's not. But I, I think I think his park protects him from that. I think that that's kind of the beauty of Trevor's story is that when healthy, his park is going to protect him from that. Now, he did hit 239, you know, the, the exact 240 you're talking about while playing in Coors in 2017. But I also think that was what, you know, when he was leading the National League in strikeouts. And he has a little bit of a strikeout risk, but he made some improvements there last year. And if, if those strides are legitimate and he maintains those gains, I think Trevor's story is going to be fine. I can understand wanting to lay off him a little bit this year because, You're definitely paying full freight for the breakout season. For me, I'm just a bit of a sucker for Coors, though. The ABC of, uh, of fantasy always bet on Coors. Like, I totally get that. And so I'm not going to completely run away from I don't have any shares, though. And part of it is the fact that, you know, what if the strikeout rate does jump back up over 30%? Because at 26% of last year, I can live with that. But once you start creeping into the 30s, then it becomes trouble. Um, he does have premium speed. I know he only had 15 total stolen bases before last year's 27. Might make people think it's fluky. It's not. He does does have legitimate premium speed but stolen bases are so much of a choice thing though too and you get one lower half injury that doesn't take you out but just kind of is bothering you while you're playing and all of a sudden those those steals go way down so i don't even know that that steals are necessarily locked for anyone except you know those rabbits whose value is tied to stealing and that's not necessarily a story so i haven't really got him i would definitely take him over javier baez though because they're pretty much the same player so give me the guy in coors field i understand some reservations I have a more as like a 280, 30, 15 sort of guy, which I, I would take in the second round. It just hasn't worked out that way in any of my early drafts, but I'm certainly not actively running away from Trevor Story.
0: I was just going to ask you if you'd rather have Trevor Story or Javi Baez. I'm glad you answered that story right now. is ADP is 20th. Javi Baez is 18. These two are as close as can be. And, you know, if I'm picking at the, the beginning of the first round, say I get Nolan Arenado or, or JD Martinez at four, I always have trouble. Who do I take here? Because Aaron Judge is already gone. Manny Machado, Alex Bregman, they're gone. And I'm looking at Trevor Story, who I don't feel great about. Of course, I'm not drafting Javi Baez unless he slips to the late third round. I think he's due for a significant regression. So I've been grabbing Charlie Blackman. Is there someone you've been deciding on
1: ahead of Trevor Story? Honestly, a lot of times it comes down to pitching uh, because I want to get I want to get my pitching and if I take that premium hitter in the first round, then I'm looking at Verlander and Cole and, and, and Snell um, as pitchers in the second round. And and that's usually why I've been missing out. Noah Syndergaard somebody I really like, too. So that's usually why I've been missing out on Trevor Story. Plus, there's also the fact that shortstop's really deep this year. And that's definitely something that's kind of been pushing me, you know, again, not not zeroed in on Trevor's story. The funny thing is last year I couldn't have gotten him more. I was so in because of where his price was. I thought that uh, the 17 was a bit of a fluke. And so I was really eager to, to get the buyback and now he's excellent. But it's full price, of course. And so that's part of why. But as far as like his contemporaries up there, like a Bregman, Lindor, who is working his way back, and Baez, I don't really take them over story. Lindor is maybe the one I would consider because I don't think he's gonna miss a ton of time. But other than that, I'm not taking Bregman and Baez ahead of him. It's usually either a premium first baseman like Freeman Goldschmidt or one of the pitchers, Cole Verlander, Snell.
0: I can sign on to taking one of those pitchers. In fact, I've got them all ranked ahead of Trevor Story. And what it comes down to is what you said. There are 17 shortstops I would feel comfortable having as my starting shortstop in my lineup it goes all the way down to Paul DeYoung who you can get in the 14th round there's only 17 starting pitchers that I feel like are super safe and after that it's just kind of a crapshoot I mean you can you can wait until the 17th round and grab Tyler Glass now or wait until the 25th and grab Matt Strom Chris Paddock who we're going to talk about a little bit later and I would feel just as good as about them as I would as you know somebody going in the 12th round with a lot of risk like Robbie Ray or uh, Hugh Darvish
1: yeah. No, I, I I I completely understand that. So that that's what's happening with story for sure.
0: All right. Well, the next one I want to talk about, same kind of thing as Chris Sale. He had a big shoulder issue last year, Chris Bryant. The power was zapped. Everyone's saying, you know, why would I grab uh, Juan Soto over Chris Bryant when I know exactly what I'm going to get? Now, I don't love Juan Soto this year, but I definitely don't love Chris Bryant um, because last year he was just bad with that shoulder issue.
1: Yeah, this is another one that last year I was really in thinking, you know, this is a good premium value here in the third round. And then all of a sudden, obviously, it didn't quite work out uh, as planned at all for Chris Bryant. This year, I, I could get back in, but I haven't. This is another one where it's like, I'm not actively running from him, but I'm not getting him either. So it, I guess I am kind of out because I would be seeking him out normally in, in that region. I think it's because of what I like around him with uh, with uh like an Anthony Rendon. I'll wait, take my shot on Josh Donaldson several rounds later. I just really, you know, I understand that he's got a health concern of his own. Josh Donaldson does, but that's more baked into his price because I get him so much cheaper. I love Max Muncy. Uh, I think that a lot of what he did with the power last year is absolutely bankable. And uh, while he will probably regress, maybe he only hits the 35 homers, but over a full season this year, instead of over 140, whatever games from last year. So maybe he doesn't, add like you don't extrapolate his numbers over 155 games but you take what he did last year i would still take that over a full season uh matt chapman a eugenio suarez i like a rafael devers gamble i like so many more third basemen later that that's part of the reason i'm not getting chris bryant same with outfield too because it is worth noting that he does have the dual eligibility but reese hoskins Juan soto cody bellinger Um, Andrew Benintendi those are guys I just would prefer so I'm not ending up with Bryant I do acknowledge that if the shoulder's healthy he's going to bounce back in a big way and probably crack upper 20s homers maybe pushing into the 30s but I just haven't gotten him anywhere
0: I agree I don't I don't have any shares of Bryant and if he would fall to the late third yeah of course I'd scoop him up but that would have to be what Merrifield is off the board you know, Starling Marte is off the board. Trevor Bauer, Noah Sindergaard. There's so many guys that I like in this range. You mentioned Cody Bellinger. I think I'd rather have him than uh, than Chris Bryant. It's really close, though. Even Walker Buehler I might reach for. There's just so many guys that I like that I don't have many shares. But yeah, wouldn't it surprise me at all. Chris Bryant's an MVP candidate. Cubs win 105 games. But there's a lot of risk with him and in that whole lineup that's why you've been seeing some of these uh projection models having them finishing fifth now i don't think that's going to happen but the cubs are a risky
1: team there's a lot of question marks this year it could certainly happen though because it's not uh, just because they're finished last doesn't mean that they're projected to be awful it's because that division is so tight exactly and you know they're working with a lot of age and uncertainty uh, from their youth so it's like the age regressing the, uns- the the youth not necessarily bouncing back or sustaining and then all of a sudden boom because that division's so tough they Reds have improved, Pirates are sneaky solid and then of course the uh, the Brewers and Cardinals are excellent. I wouldn't even be that surprised if the Cubs finished last. I also wouldn't be surprised if they won it like It's not a fence sit, that's just how the division is right now. I think those five teams are really going to beat each other up this year. So um, yeah, for the most part, Cubs haven't really been a big part of my plan, except for you, Darvish, who I really do like at at, at the price he's mostly been going at this year.
0: I love it. We're agreeing on a lot of stuff so far. And one name that you brought up that we haven't really talked about that much on the show this preseason is Max Muncy. And he's someone that I've been grabbing in a lot of leagues. He's second base eligible on some sites. And you mentioned he did play 137 games, but he only started... 102 of those if you prorate his 35 homers out to 150 games started we're looking at over 50 homers he was second in the league in home runs per at bat this guy just absolutely mashed
1: and he's going outside the top 100 picks i don't get it paul yeah, I just don't think people buy in, and it, it's kind of interesting. I know that uh, a little bit of a— Do they think he's not starting, or what? what is it? I, I think that's what it is. They're worried about the Dodgers messing with him. The thing of it is is that he hit lefties just fine last year, so they shouldn't really have any reason to aggressively platoon and maybe give him an off day here and there against left-handers. Okay, I get that for Muncie, but for the most part, he should still draw starts against them because his great plate patience— uh, makes him an asset and he can sustain himself even against left-handers and I don't see any reason to really squeeze David Freeze in there all the time I know David Freeze can hit lefties And so can Enrique Hernandez. Usually, he didn't really last year. Weirdly, uh, Hernandez kind of reversed his platoon split for that breakout season that he had. But Muncie's an absolute stud. Again, brilliant plate patience. 79 walks in those 481 plate appearances. Does strike out a bit, but that's part of the the walks. It's not that he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't have an egregious. In fact, he's got an excellent swinging strike rate. It's only 10%. So the 27% strikeout rate is really more because of the deep counts that he draws. There's a plausible scenario where that strikeout rate actually comes back down, too, and the batting average could go up, whereas most projection systems have Muncie's batting average going down. So, again, I absolutely love him. I can't get him in enough spots. Like I said, give me the 35, homers over 150 plus games this year so he doesn't even add anything he basically gets a little bit worse the home run the fly ball comes down the iso goes down but he still gets the 35 i'll take that i love muncie i think his price is remarkably fair he joins with first and third right off the top and like you said he might have second in some leagues and he could earn it in season for the leagues where he doesn't that would
0: be 20 percent regression if he plays 500 at bats still hits 35 homers 79 rbi
1: 75 runs Man, I'd take that at pick 60 if I knew that was going to happen. Exactly. I would take like 35 homers. And so I I just, I think he's being undervalued. I know it's a late bloomer breakout, but this is like JD Martinez, Justin Turner, Daniel Murphy. Like, how's he not in this same group? Look at the skills that he had 16% walk rate. And like I said, that 27% strikeout rate is not him being a windmill. That's only 10% swing strike. I know I'm saying a lot of percents, but the bottom line is that the walk rate's elite. The strikeout rate is high, but not because of swings and misses. It's because of choice and getting deep into counts and waiting for his pitch. So I love Max Muncy. I can't get him enough places. You know, I'm going to be trying to get him everywhere. We've seen enough
0: examples of players like this breaking out late and it being the real deal and everybody always drafting them late thinking they were a fluke. No, he played incredible baseball for 500 plate appearances and the knocks on him bad against lefties okay yeah he didn't have a 1000 ops against the lefties like he did righties it was 890 still one of the best in the league uh he slowed down after the all-star break sure okay he didn't have a 1000 ops before the all-star break he had a 919 which is still one of the best in the league 870 in july a 986 in august 963 in September. The guy is just a stud. You you got to get him. Uh, he's been the guy that I've been getting at third base more than anyone except Mikhail Franco. And I don't know why
1: I just keep waiting at third base and he's always there. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll take that. It's about the same as Matt Carpenter. <laughs> Franco's somebody who I can't quit. Um, I have a hard time really quitting him. And and you mentioned Carpenter. You're saying Muncy's a lot like Carpenter, right? Yeah, very similar players. Exactly. And, and people still love Carpenter. And so why not get the guy who's like five years younger? Than carpenter
0: five years younger and 60 picks later bingo all right before we move on over to the next player here i want to talk about another one of the sponsors of today's show tick pick if you hate paying too much for tickets check out tick pick tick pick is easily the fastest cheapest and easiest app to use for purchasing tickets to all your favorite events concerts sports theater you name it there are no fees and all tickets are 100 authentic Think StubHub without the fees. I found TickPick's app to be extremely user-friendly and has some pretty useful features too. Tickets are ranked using TickPick's patented score report determined by price and seat location to help you get the best deal. Their seat rating sorts tickets from the best seats to the worst for any major sports event and you can check out the view from any seat before you buy it. TickPick empowers customers to score the best tickets on any budget. You'll get the same tickets from the same seller, but absolutely zero fees. And you'll end up saving 10 to 15% on every ticket order as a result. So check this out. TickPick is giving all our listeners an amazing offer of $15 off an order of $99 or more. All you have to do is enter the promo code FPROS15, and that's all one word at checkout. Remember, that's TickPick, and use the promo code FPROS15 at checkout to save $15 off an order of $99 or more. Your price, your seat, no hidden fees. TickPick is where smart fans buy tickets. All right, the next guy, Mondesi for the Kansas City Royals. He plays all over the diamond. And I know at the beginning of the season, when a lot of people were hyping him up, you
1: wrote some things saying, hey, calm down a little bit. Do you have any shares of him? Uh, No, I don't yet. And I'm torn because there is a scenario where I would get him. And right now, it's, it's not even fully running away from Mondesi himself it really has been a situation of uh there's just other players i want or need at the point when he comes up uh for the draft and so that that's why i haven't like i think i would actually like to maybe get one shot, even at the the high cost and that that was my big thing in the off season when right when the off season started was that his price is just through the roof and we can't be paying this kind of cost for Mondesi. I know the projection systems really love him. I do think we all need to kind of chill out a little bit, but we're going to see what's up with him. The The plate skills are are a mess. And I think that that's what's the most concerning for folks. And I share that exact concern with Mondesi. And that's why I'm not really getting him. And so again, I don't like the price and that's a big part of it. But the, the bulk of it, the bulk of not having him anywhere is that I've just been getting other guys and I like other players at, at, different prices instead
0: and there's always somebody in your league that is just super crazy and willing to take him way above his adp like me um i've got so many shares of modesty and it's okay if you want to make fun of me like to your friends after the show i i understand
1: i'm a little crazy on modesty but no it's uh, look it's a power speed combo i am obsessed with power speed He's not going to run at that same rate, of course. That was an amazing steal rate that we just don't see from anybody. So that's not going to happen. My biggest concern, though, is the the strikeout to walk. 27% strikeout, 4% walk. One thing I did see recently that— That's disgusting. It's so bad. But one thing I did see that was kind of interesting was that somebody wrote about how he actually swings earlier in counts. And so the walk rate situation is is partly by design, is that he's up there swinging so early that he doesn't necessarily need to walk because he's doing his damage early in a count. Now, I still worry that a sub 300 OBP could really cut into his production. What are you really expecting out of him? What's, what's a Mondesi projection that that not your high end, obviously, because I can go sky high. But what do you what are you really realistically expecting out of him? so let me say this, okay? Uh, starting in July 1st,
0: his 162 game pace, and granted, he's not going to play 162 games, almost no one does, unless you're Nick Marquecus or Manny Machado. 33 homers, 74 stolen bases, 102 runs, 84 RBIs, 288 batting average. Let's just cut that in half. We're looking at 17 homers, 37 stolen bases, and let's say his batting average drops down to 250. I think that's probably his floor. I, I would be Just pleased with that. I think that's probably going to be somewhere in between. We're looking at, I'd say, 20 homers, 45 steals, 80 runs. That's 255. I, I'd take that in the fourth round. And in ESPN leagues, ADP outside the top 100.
1: Yeah, he's really fallen there. Like um, there was one league where I could have kept him, but it was a points league and he's a brutal for points leagues, mainly because of the strikeout and because of the steals don't matter as much. So you really want him in a in a rotisserie league where the steals are really going to pay off. And that's, that's part of the reason that I didn't keep him there. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. I still do have a handful of drafts coming up. I just haven't been paying the freight on Mondesi. Uh, I'm just a little bit nervous on him. If he burns me, I'm not going to hate it, though, because he can be such an electric player and be fun to watch uh, if he really does go like 20-50 or something insane like that. But uh, th- there is a, a really, really sky-high ceiling for Mondesi this year.
0: You know, after Jonathan VR put up that season, what was it, 19 homers, 62 steals,
1: 285 batting average? Part of what has me worried.
0: Yeah, and, and then he just melted down. I had
1: Jonathan VR shares everywhere the next year. You'd think I would have learned my lesson. I, I believed in him because I'm like, even if you regress this substantially, it's gonna be at a level that I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with as far as uh Jonathan VR went. But we couldn't regress it enough to match because he was absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Was that Charlotte back there? Yes. Does Charlotte have an opinion she wants to share? She's a big Mondesi fan. She doesn't like any Mondesi slander. <laughs> I love it. Sorry, okay. Char. Sorry. Charlotte is uh, is Paul's dog, and uh, Charlotte's a star. She really is, and, and apparently a big, big, big Mondesi backer, so don't <laughs> don't be running our mouths about Mondesi. Well, she likes you for that, then, because you're you're big on Mondesi, but she doesn't appreciate my continued Mondesi slang. <laughs> what
0: do you guys think about uh, about Ozzy Albies? He's someone that I have no shares on, and uh, frankly, if he dropped 30 picks, still wouldn't
1: take him. See, we disagree there, too, because I still love him. Now, this is a guy I was super high on last year. And, uh, you know, it paid off because despite the makeup of his season where he had the fast start and then meandered kind of through the rest of the season, despite that, the bottom line was was an absolute win around pick one hundred one ten 110-ish is where, you know, I was pumping him up and I had no problem. 24-14 with the homers and stolen bases. I do think there's potential for a lot more stolen bases than, than the 14. He was 14 for 17. He's got premium speed. Now he only had a 305 OBP. The thing of it is, is that even if you kind of take say from from may on and just take that as a full season i can live with that where albies is going if that's kind of the downside there to lop off his best month by far and just take a 254 296 409 from may on uh with 19 homers and 14 stolen bases is it good no it's it's not what you would want you don't want a 705 ops from a fifth-round pick or fourth-round pick, wherever he's going. But I still think there's upside for more. We're talking about a 22-year-old who maybe got a little bit enamored with his power last year. I think he needs to kind of get back to what makes him who he is, which is more of a contribution of power as opposed to a power focus get those base hits, get the OBP back up, and he can take a walk, too. He's shown it in the minors. Not like a huge walk guy, but a decent enough walk guy that he should have a a comfortable 325-plus OBP. So I think he's an interesting bounce-back buy. Price is actually higher than it was last year, of course, because he performed, but at pick 71, which is where he's going on average in the National Fantasy Baseball Championship, NFBC, I'll pay that. I really will. And he's going to score some runs in that lineup as well.
0: Um, I do not think that there's, you know, some really low floor or anything like VR, who we mentioned previously, but the one comparison that I want to draw to, and, you know, I I like to do a lot of these where if I don't get this guy, hey, I could just wait a couple more rounds and get this very similar player, is, uh, is Rognet Odor, who, as you know, has really improved his patience to the plate. His walk rate skyrocketed last year in the second half, looked really good in the spring again, and his batting average rose as a result. Uh, our consensus projections, which draw from about uh, seven projection models, I believe it is now, um, they're called the ZL Projections. They have Albies at 87 runs, Odor at 81. Home runs, 20 for Albies, 25 for Odor. One would argue with that. 73 RBIs for Albies, 78 for Odor, 16 and 14 stolen bases. The difference is batting average, of course, with Odor at 249 and Albies at 269. But again, he's going
1: you know, 60, 70 picks later. So I would just prefer to wait and get Odor. Well, the NFPC market is a little bit tighter on that. They're only 30 picks apart there. So they're they're seeing the O'Dor love and pushing him up and probably bringing Albies down a little bit. And obviously that's a different market and you need to know what market you're in. So I know that NFPC is not everything and it's not what everyone's doing so it is good to know what other markets are doing and if they're that far apart then I completely agree in the NFBC I will take Albies's uh, higher batting average floor with the two rounds of pick difference but in leagues where I can get Odor four five rounds later I would jump on the Odor train over Albies by the way you make that interesting comparison about if why not why take him when I can get this we've talked about VR that's been my counter to Mondesi is to just take VR Again, I like getting both of them. <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't know. I, it's just so hard
0: to get stolen bases, and I feel like both those guys are pretty safe. Uh, Yeah, their batting averages are, are going to hurt you a little bit, but they also come with some power. So I've been getting, uh, you know, Mondesi at shortstop, VR is my middle infielder. And then there's so many guys at second I like Scooter, Jeanette, Robinson Cano, Rognetto Dorr, Daniel Murphy, especially. If I can get one of those four at second, and then Mondesi in VR and VR up the middle, I feel pretty good about my middle infield. Not too much draft capital either. Totally agree. And
1: a lot of speed there too, which is obviously tough to come by
0: these days. Yeah. Yeah. Then I don't have to worry about speed whatsoever with the, the rest of my lineup. So Paul, I saw a really interesting piece that you wrote and I actually tweeted it out because I just loved the idea. It was, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it was along the lines of who is this year's blank? Like who is this year's Blake Snell?
1: Finding this year's blank. I literally put a blank in the title.
0: Okay. Yeah. And uh, you had like 15 examples. I'm wondering if you have someone like Max Muncie. That you see blossoming into this, just all of a sudden, stud kind of like Matt Olson did the previous year.
1: Well, I, actually, I kind of went the other way with that. I I, I used Muncie for one of them. I I used uh, who's the legit late bloomer? Who's this year's Whit Merrifield? And that was that was Max Muncie. But as far as somebody who could be this year's iteration of uh, that whole story of like completely off the radar and they become this, this power stud because they go rework their, you know, it doesn't have to be that, but as far as somebody who could be a power stud that we don't really know anything of, I'm actually going to use his origin, which is, which is Oakland and go out there and talk about Chad Pinder, who's been getting some off season love. I know uh, Mike Petriello wrote some interesting stuff about him. He goes around, you know, after pick 350, he's a bit, bit of an afterthought because he doesn't have a full-time role right now. And he is a right-hander, so he's looking at short side platoon stuff right now. But he has legit pop. He plays outfield second base. We know Profar can bounce around a little bit, although he probably is best suited for second base. But the outfield, Robbie Grossman is starting out there, and I don't really see a need for that right now. I love Ramon Laureano, so I don't think he takes that spot. Same with Stephen Piscotti. but the Robbie Grossman Avenue, I, do, I definitely think could be open for Chad Pinder to take, and that's why I prefer. I, I like him as somebody who could be that big power breakout. He's 27, so he kind of fits that sort of mold. And if he come up, if he not 35 homers necessarily, because that's tough to project for anybody, but if he busted out and popped 25 plus homers for Chad Pinder, I would not be surprised, and he's somebody I'm getting everywhere. I absolutely love him. I haven't talked
0: about him whatsoever, and I'm looking at him right now. Everyone's going to say, well, 15 homers, 13 homers the last two years. Guys, he played less than 300 at-bats. This is someone who prorates out to 25 homers per full season. He's got that pop. He's still young enough that I expect him to continue improving, and I saw that piece by Petriello. Everything Petriello writes changes my mind just a little bit. He's a really sharp dude, so Pinder's a good name. I'm glad you brought him up, Paul.
1: Sliding them up my rankings right now. There you go. Yeah. Cause I think that that's the guy who could, who could really kind of emerge and be like, whoa, we didn't, you know, cause there's some other guys too, like, you know, but they're more prospecty, even if they're not. True prospects like Tyler O'Neal, folks love him. Lewis Brinson's obviously having his big offseason. But in terms of somebody who's really just kind of on the periphery, doesn't have his playing time just yet, and could really emerge, that's who I like, Chad Pinder for Oakland. And it's got to be one of those guys. Like, we can't give you a name who's already in the starting
0: lineup because everyone's already talking about him. But, um, you know, Pinder's a good waiver-wire speed dial guy if
1: you're playing in one of these 10, 12-team leagues. Being truthful here, not just saying it because he's had good news fall upon him now. I probably would have included Jung Ho Gong in something like this a day ago because he was a complete afterthought as well and he had to get his life cleaned up. He had, had a severe drinking issue. I think he had 3 DUIs and uh, you know, I got no use for folks out there driving uh, after drinking like that and that that's that's very problematic and I know he had a situation in Chicago with a potential sexual assault. I don't know what came of that. I don't know if he was exonerated or or what, so I don't want to make comments that that aren't truthful, but I do know that the drinking thing was a, a massive issue and he had to get himself right that's why he missed all of last year they didn't give him a visa they acknowledged uh, in South Korea you need to get your life right before you worry about baseball looks like he has put himself on the path to getting himself right. Cause he's back over here in the States. He had a big spring and he was just named the starter at third base for the pirates. And this is a guy who popped 21 homers in just 370 point appearances two years ago in 2016. And, and so I think that it is worth kind of keeping an eye on him. He's going to be 32. But he's still going to be cheap, too. His price is absolutely going to go up from where it was for Jung Ho-Gung. But he was going pick 350. Even if he goes up 100 picks, you're talking 250. And that's someone who could legitimately club 27 to 32 homers. I was going to bring him up later. Good name. 837 career
0: OPS. The guy rakes. That's all it comes down to. He rakes. All right. Next name is David Dahl. This is somebody I was driving the hype train four months ago. And at this point, the ADP just got a little too high for me.
1: I understand that. You're definitely betting on the come with mm-hmm. David Dahl. Like he has to perform at this mm-hmm. point with the price that you're paying for David Dahl. And so I understand why some folks would be like, I just can't do it. It kind of goes back to that ABC fantasy. though. will always bet on Coors. Uh, health is probably the bigger issue for me than performance, but it's a major issue because he's been hurt so many times for David Dahl. Can we believe that he's going to finally get out there for the, you know, 140 plus games and really do his damage? Cause if you look at what he's done in his career, I actually did not know that this was the number, but it was 140 exactly. And he's hit 293 with 23 homers and 10 steals. So everyone's saying, well, you know, what, if, what if we get the full 650 plate appearances, let alone 500? Probably not going to happen. He's like JD Drew, one of the most uh, injury-prone
0: guys. I mean, his career almost ended with what was a ruptured spleen. They put a um a plate inside his yeah something really bad yeah it was a it was a really bad collision and he's missed a lot of time over the years here's my issue with him i get it cores and everything he was a great prospect i i think he's someone he batted 293 so far i think he's someone who could lead the league in batting someday he was a batting average king in the minor leagues um with that said since he came back from his most serious injury 2017 and 2018 in the minors yeah 751 ops 749 now granted it wasn't in cores but um, I'm just concerned that the sample size is too small, that maybe we're getting a little too excited.
1: I understand that to a degree, but I also do wonder if there's a little bit of fatigue being in the minors where he was just like, uh, I need to get up to the majors here because I've kind of done this to death. I understand why I'm down here for a little bit, but let me get up to the majors and show what I can do. So I am willing to take that gamble. It's not a full investment where I would want to get him in every single league because of that top 75 ADP for David Dahl. And there's certainly guys I like in that range, but I did zip him up my board. So I think we have a little bit of a disagreement here where I'm more willing to pay. Uh, I understand the reservations. It's a gamble. I'm willing to take one of my big tenants of fantasy baseball is bet on the skills and and kind of prey on health because we just don't know. We're not sharp enough to know when guys are going to get hurt. Now, he has had enough injuries that you can say David Dahl. Penciling him in for 600-point appearances would be stupid, like plain and simple. You should plan for 500 and work from there, you know, at, at the high end, 500, and work from there. But I think in 500, he can be a top 20 to 25 outfielder. So I am willing to take my shot there, and I get a little baked-in upside as well. So I'm not completely running from David Dahl. He's going to be a multi-share guy. Uh, but he also goes around guys like Puig, McCutcheon, Fam. Robles. So so that's why it's not a invest at all costs, get every David Dahl share because I do like some of the other outfielders, but I'm not going to run just because of the ADP. I will I will have some David Dahl. Upside
0: 25, 30 homers, maybe 15 steals, 300 batting average, tons of runs and RBIs there in cores. Now my issue with him is that, you know, I'm looking at AJ Pollock. I think we're hoping David Dahl becomes AJ Pollock. You can get AJ Pollock in the same spot. It's a
1: great named uh right down to the injury concerns he was a top 10 fantasy player when he got hurt last year and he's going to go out to la and they're going to curate him they're going to take care of him they're going to try to keep him healthy if you just get you know if you can get 130 games you don't even need the full season on a pollock he's shown that he can he can deliver big time in in a shortened sample so that is that's a good call out name there as to why you know maybe don't take Dahl, maybe take pollock a little bit later and, and and you don't have to worry about uh, paying for all of the performance already because two rounds later, at least in NFBC, it's it's about 30 picks difference. And those are 15 team leagues. So two rounds later, just get AJ Pollock. I like that name.
0: We've seen him go 20, 40 with a 315 batting average, 111 runs. Now, granted, he would have to stay healthy to do that. That was also with the humidor. So I'm not expecting anything like that. I'm just saying um, I think that's kind of David Dahl's upside, maybe flip the power for the speed and it's a pretty good trade-off but yeah i like aj pollock quite a bit um somebody else that i think is kind of risky and i'm still getting some shares just because catcher is so horrible after the you know catcher number seven i've got buster posey there most people have yachty there uh gary sanchez is number two catcher off the board upside for 40 homers at catcher uh downside for a 180 batting average like we got last year exactly and so that yeah actually I would say the downside is actually 220 based on his batting ball numbers but and that's still not that bad it's what 10 points under
1: replacement at the catcher position that's the thing catcher's so bad that even in last year's disastrous season he was still one of the better catchers like that just tells you how crazy it is for Gary Sanchez there so yeah you don't bet on any sort of batting average and you just kind of take the power and and prey on the batting average but I'm open to taking him. I I am open to the top end of catcher. If it works, I say I'm open to it because I don't have anything yet. But uh, as I get into my final stretch of drafts here over the next uh, two weeks, It's not someone I'm going to run from. I'm I'm willing to buy back in even after a 186 average. And the price hasn't really gone down that much. It's because catchers so brutal. But I could get a Sanchez or a Real Muto. I don't want to be left out in the cold either way. If If I don't get one of those two, I'm jumping in on that middle. I'll take a Buster Posey on a bounce back because his price is so cheap. I love Grandal Ramos. Uh, I like Wilson Contreras on a bounce back. I'll take him. Danny Jansen is a is a interesting hot rookie that folks like. He did a little damage last year that I that I was intrigued by. I don't usually mess with rookie catchers, but it's not a pure rookie. He's been in the majors. He he got to learn a little bit last year on the job. So I don't want to have, you know, Mike Zanino and John Hicks. You know, I I just don't want the dregs of catching. And Zanino, I know he, the homers make everyone so excited. And batting average deficiencies from catcher don't hurt as much because they don't put up as uh, as many plate appearances. But it still hurts. It still hurts to get a brutal batting average. And that's what you're going to get out of Zanino. So, no, I'm going to live either at the top end or middle. I'm going to have at least, if it's two catcher league, I'm going to have at least one in those first eight or so and and i believe Danny Jansen's my eighth after the kind of the the seven that everyone agrees upon and then i throw jansen in there at number 8 And then after that, I'm going to try to get maybe an Austin Barnes buyback, a Tucker Barnhart, who's going to play a bunch. He's not great, but he is going to play a bunch and and be halfway decent. And I do like, unfortunately, Miguel Sano got hurt. I don't ever root for injury. But the upshot could be that Willens Estadillo makes the roster now. True. Yeah, because they have Garver and Castro who are probably going to be the one-two catchers. But Astadio is kind of a third catcher utility type of guy he's not just a catcher they tried him at shortstop too did you see that (laughs) yeah he can bounce around like it's hilarious he's a fire hydrant of a guy he kind of almost looks like bartolo cologne out there on the offensive end but the dude is wild contact. Like, that's that's his calling card. So um, I, I would like to get my Astadillo shares going again. I, I was laying off of him a little bit because it was looking looking like he doesn't have a path to the majors right now. But now that the Miguel Sano injury opens that back up, I'm back in on Willens' Astadillo. Yeah, even in TGFBI, I got two of the top seven catchers. I was not playing those
0: games at the position. I know I overspent on them, but I'm not doing it. So here's what I wanted to mention about Gary Sanchez is I love Joey Gallo. I think everybody does right? I mean, he hits a ton of homers, 41 per 162 game sample size. We know the batting average, 203, 88 RBIs. That's helpful. Here's Gary Sanchez per 162. And when he's healthy, I mean, he's going to get 500 at bats, maybe 43 homers, more than Gallo, 113 RBIs, 100 runs, 252 batting average. I mean, this
1: guy is one of the best hitters in baseball. Yeah, he absolutely crushes it there is still batting average upside too. That's kind of the wild thing that we're kind of just putting off to the side there because it was so bad last year with Gary Sanchez. If he's healthy and things are going right with the shoulder, you can you can spike a two seventy plus batting average, maybe even upwards of two ninety in a dream season. Now that's dream. You don't you don't pencil that in, you just uh keep that in your back pocket as upside. But yeah, I, I'm down I'm down to take Sanchez for sure.
0: All right, Paul. Last name is Will Myers, and then we'll jump into some um, you know, high upside late round gamble type. So what do you think about Will Myers? Always hurt.
1: Yeah, he's always hurt, but he kind of is what he is. He'll perform when he does play. Can be a bit of a headache, and you got to know what kind of uh fantasy manager you are. Can you deal with those headaches? Are you going to be active on the wire to make sure you're you're locking in that replacement value? Now, he did play the the funny thing was, he played 157 and 155 games each of the last two years before last season dropped back down to 83. Because they brought in stupid Eric Hosmer, which they absolutely didn't need to do. And now they got him bouncing around the outfield and third base for Will Myers. And I feel like, you know, I've gotten some pushback on this, but I, I don't understand how anyone can tell me differently that playing first base didn't keep him healthier. I just, I don't buy it. Obviously, you're still exerting yourself. First base isn't just the, you know, easy and you don't do anything. It's still a major league position that, that you have to play and be good at. But it's certainly less wear and tear on your body than the outfield and third base. And so that part bothers me about Myers. And he's going to bounce around again this year. So again, it's probably somebody that I'm not taking just because of folks around him that I I prefer, but I wouldn't run away. And outfield third base eligibility is kind of interesting, Um, even though neither of those positions is particularly thin. I love guys that have flexibility. So he is what he is. Pick, Pick 90 or something around there in between the 80 and 100 range. You're kind of getting some solid stats. He does run a bit too, but he's not someone I'm targeting.
0: You know, I like Will Myers, but um, not when I can get Ryan Braun so much later. Um, Will Myers averages 426 at-bats over the last four years. Ryan Braun, super injury-prone, 450. Uh, 23 homers for Braun, 19 for Myers. 16 steals for Braun, 16 for Myers. Braun hits 280, Myers hits 252. He's going almost
1: 100 picks later. It's a great call out and yeah, there's the age concern, but I'll take like that. That's built into the cost, you know, that that's what makes it so great. So no, I'm, I'm going to do that as well. That's a great, great call.
0: Thanks. Yeah. I've got a lot of Ryan Braun and uh, it kind of stinks to, uh, to roster a big time liar who stole an MVP, but you know what? I like to win. So let's do it.
1: I I do too. And so, (laughs) you know, I don't always put the morals first. It kind of depends on what you did. Being a lying, lying jerk like that. It sucks there's a
0: lot of crappy guys in the major leagues. Like we, we don't know who they all are. Ryan Braun was right out in the middle of it, but
1: you know, you're going to have some bad dudes on your team. There's a lot crappier things you can do too. So I, again, I just don't know that you can play moral police and, and, and even really be a sport like again it's a whole conversation for another time to to really discuss it but as far as like am i going to draft ryan braun because he was a steroid cheat yeah because i in the end the funny thing is if you just admit it i don't care to us they're just numbers yeah like serve your penalty if you get caught for cheating but i don't care when guys use, use peds i don't put them on a pedestal i don't i don't believe that You know, obviously, I don't know what changes the game really that much at all. No, because you have to have talent because plenty of losers get caught with them, too. And they never became anything like they don't make you like I can't take all the HGH in the world and then go hit 20 homers. Like it, it, if anything, it makes you work harder. And I know that that's like a, an interesting logistical pretzel, but people say it's like an easy way out. Well, is it though? Because then you get you're you're working a lot harder to maintain your body. It, it's certainly a, a, a cheat. That's why it's against the rules, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't get me going that much on the negative side. I'm
0: with you, man. All right. Let's talk some, uh, some late round gambles and I'll let you start first. I've got a list of about 10 guys and we probably won't get to them all, but I can just list the ones that I didn't mention at the end. Uh, so who do you want to start us with?
1: Ross Stripling. Yeah, my dude. Ross Stripling's like my number one target besides Miggy Cabrera. He's, you know, going past pick 200 still, even with the fact that he should open with a rotation spot with the Kershaw injury. It's going to be tough to always have him in the rotation. You're not going to get, you know, 170 innings or whatever. You're probably planning for another buck 30 like we got last year, but he was excellent when he pitched. And that's even with some second half comeback for sure for Ross Stripling. But, 122 innings of a 3.02 119 with 10 strikeouts per night, 136 strikeouts in those 122 innings has a great arsenal. He's 29 years old, and if injuries did crop up to where they kind of ran out of some guys and had to go to him for a buck 80, they could. Because he's 29. like This isn't some guy that they have to baby in his early 20s. He's 29 years old. So they could, they could run him into the ground, so to speak, if they had to. And it's, it wouldn't even be that. But they could give him a full compliment if they had to. I just love this stuff. I was betting on him before he had a spot. And now that he's going to have a spot to at least start the season, I'm in. A lot of the guys listening to this podcast have heard this before. And so I'm sorry if uh, if you have. There's a lot of new listeners
0: for you know having their fantasy drafts the next couple of days. So I'm just going to say it again. This is the easiest value pick, in my opinion. It is just like Mike Clevenger last year. We saw a nice 120-inning pitch sample size. That's pretty big, enough to know that if you're top five in XFIP, like Ross Stripling was, you're just a stud. I think he gets more than 120 innings last year, and just like Mike Clevenger last year, it was so easy to forecast him stepping up into the top 30 starting pitchers. I think Stripling does the same thing. Agreed, and I can't wait for it. All right, here's mine. This one is a little bit riskier. Uh, Freddy Peralta we're not exactly sure he's gonna make the rotation in Milwaukee but Freddy Peralta has some killer stuff and it doesn't really look that great on paper but then when you're looking at the production of Freddy Peralta's stuff he's got maybe the best fastball in the game he throws like 90 poo but um, you know he gets so much extension on that hides the ball real nice gets a lot of uh, vertical movement on his fastball love myself some Freddy Peralta and here's my stat the only pitchers last year to finish top 10 in case per nine and top five in batting average against. Um, obviously, Freddie Peralta's in this list, so you have to have as many innings as Peralta.
1: Blake Snell, Chris Sale, Max Scherzer, Freddie Peralta. Wow. Wow, that's a heck of a group to be involved in. And, you know, he he does win with an excellent fastball. And I, I like Freddie Peralta as well. I like a lot, actually like a lot of those pitchers that they have there. Uh, Jimmy Nelson coming back. Obviously, he's going to start the season on the IL, but he'll be back a couple weeks into the season. That could actually open up the early spot for Peralta, though. Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff are fighting it out. I'm a Woodruff guy, but I'll take whoever wins that spot. And then even... I think Chase Anderson or Zach Davies might be on the outside looking in, which is... I, I never thought they would do
0: that. But the thing is, that's exactly what they need to do. And I hate the Brewers because I'm a Cardinals fan. But you know what?
1: I want Freddie Peralta in fantasy baseball. Well, once Nelson's healthy and you have Nelson, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, you might have to kick out some of these like boring, stable guys like an Anderson and a Davies to get more high impact. So I think the rotation is actually going to be a strength this year. Uh Chassin still doing his thing with his slider, so he's still going to be in the rotation. But I agree with you that Anderson and Davies – could find themselves uh without gigs because of Peralta and the other young bucks like Woodruff well Nelson's not that young but he, he's coming back from injury there so Peralta's a great call out fastball love a guy who wins with a fastball that's the best pitch that you can have and so he's very interesting throws it about 70 percent of the time as well and don't tell my
0: Cardinals fan buddies this but I've got the Brewers as the second best team in the National League behind the Dodgers I think they've got incredible offense obviously maybe the best bullpen and you're right this rotation is a lot
1: better than people realize Totally agree. And I'll go with my next one. Justin Bohr out in Anaheim with the Angels there. This is a guy who is not a traditional bopper. And I still think that there's like a 280-30 a homer season in this bat. Now, he's not some young bug; He's going to be 30. But you look at what he's done. Up until last year when he dealt with some injuries and he hit an ugly 227, he was hitting 30 homers per 162 with a 272 average. Including that big uh, 2017 season with 25 homers and a 289 average in 108 games. And then he got hurt. And last year he labored through some injuries. There is a little bit of blockage, perhaps, there with Albert Pujols being there once Shohei Otani gets back. But we know Otani's going to miss a month. So that gives Bohr a month to fully establish himself as the first baseman. If he performs the way I believe and expect him to, they should not take his time away for Albert Pujols. I'm sorry, I know Pujols is a god in baseball history, but he isn't anymore. And so I think Boer. I don't even know, necessarily believe that he has to be platooned either. I think he can be a full share sort of guy. But let's just say that he is primarily platooned and ends up being just a front side platoon guy. He can pop an eight. 70 plus OPS against righties and club a bunch of homers, and it would pace out more to a 30 homer season. But if he does get the playing time against lefties and holds his own, which he did back in 2017, then all of a sudden we could be looking at 30 homers. So I love Justin Bohr out in, in Anaheim, and he goes around pick 330. When you brought him up, I thought that's why you were bringing him up
0: is to say, hey, if you're willing to manage your lineup, you can get one of the better hitters in the game for super late. You just can't play him against lefties. That's really all it comes down to because. You know, when you put him up there over the last four years uh, against right-handed batters, 862 OPS, that's a big old 1300 plate appearance sample size. He's ahead of Manny Machado, Giancarlo Stanton, Jose Abreu, Justin Upton, all these guys, Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, Francisco Lindor. The guy is a monster against righties. Even if you're just
1: using him against them, uh, I think it's going to pay off, guys. Yeah, I, I, that, and that's where I'm at with Bohr, Even if he's only a front side, because he's gonna be your corner too. You're not even putting him as your primary first baseman. He's so cheap. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you can do that kind of idea if you've got
0: three bench spots, but if you've got six or seven, I think Bohr's the type of guy that you target. All right, my next name. I'm actually gonna lump two together here. They're both for the Padres. I've mentioned them every single show for the past month, and for good reason. I really want you guys to draft Matt Strom and Chris Paddock. Not only are they playing in this uh, in this ballpark. They've got good defense behind them, and both of them are just studs. Matt Strom, as I mentioned, his career numbers are better than Noah Syndergaard. Granted, a lot of it's come out of the bullpen, so that's going to change a little bit. But this is somebody who can be a strong number three in your rotation that you get in the very last round. And then Chris Paddock, yeah, he hasn't pitched in AAA yet. I think he's already the Padres ace. I think he is more MLB ready than even Jesus Luzardo and Forrest Whitley, who are the two best minor league prospects for starting pitcher. Chris Paddock, is, he's got incredible uh, strikeout-to-walk ratios, and like I mentioned, going to be in that ballpark. I would forecast him for about a 3.2 ERA, incredible whip, maybe sub-1 whip. I think he's going to get a dozen wins, too. Again, you can get him in
1: the 23rd round, so please do it. How many innings are we getting out of Paddock? I think that's my my biggest question. I love Strom, by the way. I'm going 140. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I think
0: he's starting the season in the rotation because the Padres think they can win and he's their single best pitcher.
1: So why would they keep him back? No, they certainly shouldn't. I totally agree with that. And I love both as well. I've been really getting strong shares. He was on my list. Uh, And so was Paddock, but I I wasn't sure what we were going to do with the innings. Now, that opens me up a little. Again, I love both these guys. That opens me up a little bit because in the NFBC, Paddock's going as high as 186, which is still a value for sure. But now I can get some of these a little bit higher up guys that I did want to talk about. And one I really want to talk about is Ramon Laureano, who's going just just eight picks uh, higher on average at pick 180 versus Paddock's 186. This is just from the main events that happened last week. Main event is regarded as, as one of the toughest pools that you can get in. So I like to look at their ADPs. I do think that that's a good barometer of the, the high end of the market. Now, again, home leagues can vary for sure. So this is not the Bible or anything like that. But I do like to look at that. So Ramon Laureano going right around padding. I certainly think it explains what they're worth because these people
0: are investing their hard-earned money. They do not want to lose a bunch of money on, you know, making bad draft picks. So, yeah,
1: this is very telling. 1700 bucks for the entry fee there. And, and people are saying Chris Paddock at pick 186 because they fully believe in what he can do. And and Strom isn't going. I think Strom's actually going a little bit after, which is interesting. Yeah, 221. So I, I like I like both of them. But uh, yeah, that leads me to Ramon Laureano, who I'm a huge fan of out there in Oakland. He's the center fielder. This is one of my favorite prototypes of a fantasy player, the elite defender who um, has some offense that he can kind of hone on the job. Uh, we saw some of You might only know Ramon Laureano from the throw in, la last year against the angels just look up ramon laureano throw if you if you don't know what i'm talking about you you had to have seen it though it was just this brilliant throw where he was running away i mean it was it's burned into my brain it was so amazing he's an elite defender that was not just a one-time great greatest play ever he is that kind of defender but he also popped five homers stole seven bases and 176 plate appearances that kind of it you know you don't want to extrapolate that small of a sample but it's a 1725 pace. He was a big time base stealer in the minors. So he's got maybe he only hits say 13 to 15 homers. Maybe the power doesn't quite extrapolate, but the speed could really jump up. Oh, he th- he stole 43 bags. Yes. Yes. This is a guy who runs 116 games. Yep. And so I really like the speed of Ramon Laureano. If you add up what he did in the minors last year with his major league, he was 1918 with like a 294 average as well. And now, of course, some of that was in the minors. So you, you bring that down, but he hit 288 with the with the A's. This is a former Astros farmhand. They're, when they did their rebuild, their system Was so deep that they are just losing guys like this. I mean, they traded him, but like they just have these these spill off guys who are so good that they couldn't even they 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 couldn't even find room to kind of elevate them to the highest status. And not that they wouldn't want him back. Domingo Santana, same thing. Yeah, and I was actually going to bring him up, but his price is really surging. But in the NFPC, he went pick one eighty five, so it's in the same region here. But I love Ramon Laureano. He should play every single day because of that defense, power, speed. Should be great, by the way. You bring up Santana, we might as well just fold him in here too because he's going right around uh Loriano. He doesn't have the same defense, but we're a year removed from him being a 30-15 guy, and he was like a top 80 pick, and we all did not give nearly enough credence to Kane and Yelich coming in there with Braun still there. We just said, well, they'll figure it out. They'll get him playing time. We certainly should have been more cautious. Of course he had an 870 OPS. That's stupid for not playing him. <laughs> We should have been more cautious. He flopped, but now he's out there in Seattle and there's absolutely no reason that he shouldn't get all the time that Domingo Santana can handle. So Ramon Laureano, Domingo Santana, I would kind of flip their power speed. I would say more power for Santana with a little chip in speed and perhaps elite speed with some chip in power for Laureano. But if you pair the two together, they look really nice. By the way, Santana is still just 26 years old this year.
0: Yes, he is. I love Santana. I brought up this stat. Well, him and Steven Souza Jr., they both went 30 and 15 two years ago. Only other guys to do it in the last two years, Lindor, Trout, Goldschmidt, Betts, Yelich, Javi Baez, Trevor Story, Jose Ramirez, and then these guys going outside the top 200. Man, I absolutely love them. And uh, Steve Gardner tried to talk me into Laureano, and I wasn't especially excited. But man, when I saw those minor league stolen base numbers, I'll, I'm moving them up my rankings right as we're
1: talking. Big time speedster. I, I had him in my uh, in my finding this year's blank, and he was under the... The Matt Chapman defensive part-timer becomes full-time beast, but was kind of the the theme there. And so his, his Oakland teammate, Matt Chapman, who I loved last year, uh, emerged as well. And I think Loreano can do something similar to that. A's are so special at
0: what they do, developing players like this. I, I just love the A's baseball system. Um, okay, so I'm going to list off a couple guys and I'll, I'll break down just a couple of them. Uh, Miguel Sano has as much home runs per game as Reese Hoskins over the years. He's actually younger than Reese Hoskins. You can stash him in the DL. Uh, Jorge Soler had a huge extra base pace uh, while he was healthy last year. And uh, Jason Stark didn't especially like him. But I, I disagree with Jason on this one. I love Soler. He's raking again in spring training. Chris Meaney brought up Michael Pineda, Jimmy Nelson, both top five in XFIP the last time we saw them, which is just nuts. And then finally, uh, Ryan Brazier, I think he has a chance to get the closing job in Boston, which is a ton of save opportunities, pretty good ratios, not a ton of Ks, but I'll take all those saves. And then my real sleeper is Carl Edwards Jr. You can get him in the very last round, no doubt about it, because Pedro Strope is banged up right now. He was going to fill in for Brandon Morrow, who's not coming back until maybe May, maybe later than that. Carl Edwards Jr. is a very good relief pitcher, and if he
1: gets save opportunities, Ooh, he's going to be a good one. I'm torn because I really do like Carl Edwards Jr. We have the same body type. He's called the string bean <laughs> slinger. So we really match up there. I also really love Pedro Stroop, though, and I will say that he did get some good news. I think it was yesterday or, or Saturday where he came off the mound. You know, he was, he was doing some sprints. So the bottom, I think it was like a hamstring injury, whatever it was, it was bottom half injury, a knee or a hamstring, uh, is looking better. And I do like... I will say, if it's Edwards, that's great, too. But I do like whoever starts as their closer to kind of keep the job. I don't believe in Brandon Morrow. Draft them both, drop the other one. Yeah, I don't believe Brandon Morrow comes back and and takes the job. Not that he's not good, but he's just so unreliable health-wise. And it's unfortunate because he is so talented. But I don't think that if Strope or Edwards establishes themselves as the closer, that Morrow's gonna come back and rip that job. So if it does happen to be Edwards and say something happens to Strope again in, in the, the knee or whatever, again, I don't remember if it was a knee or a hamstring, but if the lower half injury flares back up, then then absolutely on that Carl Edwards train. And he's so free that you can absolutely just take that shot without incident. And I definitely like that. Solaire was a good name that you mentioned. I'm not a Sano guy. I just never have been. Uh DL Leagues where you can stash him, that's one thing. And the power is the power's undeniable. Like I acknowledge that. But I think it's with such a batting average train that I just I'm tired of him. I'm I'm just over Miguel Sano at this point, and uh, I just don't want to mess with it. Brazier is a really interesting one, and you said something there that kind of stuck out to me that I actually want to n- not necessarily challenge you on, but, but kind of prop you up and say, you might be a little wrong on this for the positive. You said not that many strikeouts. He did only have a 23% rate last year, which was 7.8 on the per nine scale. 16% swinging strike rate, though, is absolutely premium. The strikeouts are coming. They are coming. If this guy continues to pitch the way we saw in the playoffs when he became an instrumental part for them, then Brazier's going to get his strikeouts, and he can be one of these guys who pushes a 30% mark. .77 whip? What? Yeah, just absolutely monstrous. And he's dealing with a little bit of a toe situation, but as long as that's good to go, it's him and, and Matt Barnes right now. And and Matt-, Matt Barnes doesn't have any control. It's Brazier. It's got to be. Yeah, there's no reason Matt Barnes should run away with this job. And they're not – they have not brought back Kimbrell. They're saying that they're not going to. Another one I kind of like, you know, Barnes is kind of the guy getting the hype. If you don't go Brazier, if you miss out on him – and it's a deep enough league. It has to be really deep. But you might take that Tyler Thornburg gamble, too. Remember, they traded Travis Shaw for him. They had some high hopes. He's coming back from injury. But I love the Brazier callout, and I do think the Ks are going to be there. So don't sleep on on potentially getting a heck of a bunch of Ks out of uh, Brazier. Thornburg had uh, 90 strikeouts,
0: 67 innings. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was really good before he got hurt. Why don't you round us out, Paul,
1: with, uh, with a couple names left on your list? All right, so uh, I already mentioned one Domingo at the higher end, but a little bit lower end Domingo. Domingo Herman is going to at least have a month leeway there with Severino out. And if he does well enough, you got to force a situation where they're not going to take you out. Is he in the rotation? I believe so. I'm, uh, just based on what I'm looking at right now, he is to for at least this time being. Plus, keep in mind, it's just one rotation spot for this guy, but Sabathia can't start in the rotation either. So they they are down. To, it could be Tanaka, Paxton, Hap Herman, just to start the season there with Sessa. Maybe getting that that one start for Sabathia before he comes back from a suspension. So I think that Herman should get a full opportunity. He's got nasty, nasty swing and miss stuff. I really, really like what he's able to do. I already mentioned Jimmy Nelson. Jorge Polanco has been a bit of an afterthought that I think you could be, you could really get later. Um, he's still only going around pick two hundred, so it's not uber uber late. 15-15, pretty much guaranteed. In the bank, in the absolute bank. So definitely go ahead, take a shot on that. I'm intrigued by Josh Bell as a corner infielder type to bounce back and get his uh, power back on track after a really strong power season two years ago. But I actually love Ryan O'Hearn even more. O'Hearn and Boer are my two guys there um, in the corners that I think can really pop 30 homers this year. And O'Hearn is the first baseman with plenty of leeway in KC. So definitely take a look at him. Jake Lamb. Has two thirty. Okay, it's not. I, I say it for shorthand two thirty homer seasons. It's not quite that. It's thirty and twenty nine. But for shorthand, we say two thirty homer seasons. Had a shoulder issue, so that's that's problematic. But he had a full year basically to kind of take off and and recover. If he comes in healthy, he's going to be playing first base there. So he'll have first third eligibility. I really like Jake Lamb still, and uh, Ryan McMahon. I love Garrett Hampson. I'm really excited about him. But Ryan McMahon's doing all he can to make the decision very difficult for who gets that starting second base job in Colorado. Plus, there's also the avenue for Hampson to maybe play some outfield. If Ian Desmond does what he did last year, which is not much, he was a good fantasy player, but he was a brutal real-life player, then Hampson could be out in center field. And McMahon could still play and I can get I can get both my guys there because I really like both these guys. But McMahon is having I think he has the best batting average in spring. And we don't go crazy on spring numbers, but when you're doing that well Well that's who he is. Yeah, exactly. And when you're doing that well in a position battle, the numbers absolutely matter. And so I do think that it's worth noting there that he could take that the, the primary second base job from Hampson and then Hampson plays against lefties at second base and then bounces into the outfield here and there otherwise. So there, there there's another one with Ryan McMahon. And then maybe one more here. Let me see. Looking at my list. I got one. I love Adam Frazier. Guy out in Pittsburgh who I think is being slept on quite a bit. He was so good face righties last year. He was fantastic. And I don't think that he has to be fully platooned either. But even if he is, it's another guy that if you're just playing him against righties, top of the order. That Pittsburgh order is not great by any stretch, but it's not a total dud with Frazier, Marte, Dickerson, Gung. Bell Cervelli at the top. That's that's a plausible top six. Like, you're going to do fine there. Now, Chisholm, Gonzalez at the end stinks until Polanco gets back and, and thickens the lineup up a bit. But I do like Adam Frazier. Second base outfield eligibility should be really nice. Definitely someone you should consider there because he doesn't cost a thing. So I definitely like looking at uh, Adam Frazier as well.
0: Okay, so I have a few comments on the guys that you mentioned. Adam Frazier, face righties, 853 OPS, the only guys ahead of them at second base scooter Jeanette Javi Baez, Daniel Murphy, Jose Altuve that means he's had of some really good names there and he did that in Pittsburgh too so um, love Adam Frazier Ryan McMahon I was so pumped about him last year and you know what I'm not giving up and I'm, I'm not one of these guys who says never again I'm just saying post hype I mean this guy hit 355 in AAA as a 22 year old. With 20 homers, 39 doubles, 11 steals, all in 119 games, plays all over the diamond. I think he's going to win the starting job at second base, and I have a ton of shares of both him and Hampson, just in case you know one of the other uh, wins. I've actually got both of them on, on one team, because whoever wins is going to be great.
1: Yeah, and with Hampson being a speed guy, he doesn't need to play every day to really contribute. Because you can get those steals in chunks. You know, you can have a couple two-steal games. You can steal some as a pinch runner, et cetera, et cetera. So he he can still be valuable even if he doesn't win the full-time job. Absolutely. And
0: then what I wanted to bring up for Domingo Herman, and I'm not, there's no way I'm drafting him in a 12-team league. Even 15, I, I don't really know because we don't know for sure that he's made the rotation. But definitely a waiver wire speed dial guy because he reminds me of Luis Severino. You look at what Severino did in 2016, 5.83 ERA. What a bomb, right? And uh, he was this big-time prospect for a reason. He had nasty stuff. And you look at Herman last year,
1: 557 ERA.
0: He struck out 11 batters per nine innings, Paul.
1: Yes, absolutely fantastic for Domingo Herman. And so, you know, I'd be really surprised if they didn't find a way to get him in that rotation for at least the start of the season and, and, and give him an opportunity there. And if they don't, he can be the next Batonsis. <laughs> Exactly. Could be a big, you know, multi-inning relief guy as well. I, t- I totally agree with that. I do want to throw in one more name just because I've always really liked him. And he's he's kind of a older Ramon Laureano because his defense is great and he's some power speed. Leonis Martín. He actually had a pretty good season last year, and then a viral infection really, really messed him up. He was actually fighting for his life at one point, according to his wife. I'd made a comment about not knowing like what was going on with his health on Twitter, and his wife actually saw the comment, uh, probably because I used his full name, and was like, "You know, it's a battle. You know, he's really, he's really out here." And so I. Put the pieces together that it was his wife would talk to her and she's like, Yeah, you know, we think he's gonna be all right, but it's it's really nerve-wracking right now. So that's why he only played six games with Cleveland. But he's fully healthy, he's good to go, everything's everything's checked out nicely for him since that viral infection for Leonis Martin. Defensive superstar in center field. They don't have enough outfielders to not play him, and he's a power speed kind of guy to where I think he could be a a a 15-20 type. And so, you know, you're gonna be at the top of the lineup too. And again, Lineup is not elite, but once Lindor gets back, it does thicken up, and it's good enough at the top that I would want anybody at the I want the I want anybody at the top of any lineup because it's volume, and the top of a lineup is usually pretty good, almost regardless of team. Maybe Baltimore and Miami don't have that much goodness at the top, but anywhere when you're at the leadoff spot, that's a guy that should generate some interest. I like it a lot, Paul. This was always. A- I like it a lot, Paul. This was fun. As always, really appreciate
0: you coming on and uh, looking forward to seeing how this all plays out this season.
1: Thanks so much for having me on and I look forward
0: to catching up with you in season. It's our pleasure. Take care. All right, and we've got more episodes coming up later this week, so make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future podcasts. And thanks to the sponsors of today's show, Pristine Auction, where you can find great values for items for your cave and everything is guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. And TickPick, where you can get $15 off every order of $99 or more by going to TickPick and entering the promo code FPROS15, all one word at checkout. For Paul Sporer, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your baseball.